Well, there are some things in life that can truly change us. I know that I talk a lot about being changed, about being transformed. You hear it over and over and over when you come to this church. All right? And part of that is because as people, we can get into our routines and our, our, the ways that we do things, our little patterns and our methods, and we can get stuck in a rut and never change. Sometimes those are good patterns and good habits. Other times they're not so good. And we, if we don't break out of those patterns or at least be aware of those patterns, we can go months, weeks, years of our lives doing the same old, same old. It's part of who we are as people. But there are some things in life that can come along and really change us. We can get us out of those ruts, get us out of those patterns, and, and really impact us in, in some way. Sometimes those changes are for the better. Other times, they're for the worse. Sometimes it can be people that change us. You meet someone new that has a different way of viewing the world and they, they transform you. Sometimes it's experience. Sometimes it's knowledge. But what we're going to talk about for the next five weeks has the power to truly change you. It has the power to truly change you. In fact, I'd go so far as to say these practices can revolutionize a person. They can revolutionize you to transform how you view the world, how you experience the world, and how you live in the world. And as I've said, what we're talking about are spiritual practices. Now, I've got to start this whole series off by telling you this. I want to be very clear about this. Spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines themselves are just tools. All right, and so you're not called to worship these practices or make these practices the end all. Because the practices are just tools trying to work in you for God to do the work that he wants to do. God uses these practices as tools to change you. All right, some people get caught up in whatever the next thing is. And if I say, this is how you're supposed to read your Bible, this is how you're supposed to pray, this is what you're supposed to do, and you want that list. You're like, you give me those 14 things, I'll check off every one of those 14 things. But it's not a, a transformative heart thing. It's just, I've gone through my list. That's not what we want to, to see. These, these tools are God's tools for us. But he is always the one that brings the life and the growth. And the tools are just his method to help cultivate our hearts. So what's the goal of this series? To bring attention to and increase the understanding of some of these practices that he uses to shape us and develop our spiritual lives. I don't expect you to hear about a new spiritual practice over these next few weeks. The things we're going to talk about are all things that you're going to be like, yeah, I mean, I go to church and he tells me to pray. Oh, wow, surprise, right? There's not going to be anything new necessarily that, that we're going to see. Um, but I know that no matter where we're at in our spiritual walks, we can all grow in these practices. And they might seem basic. Some of them may seem basic. But instead of thinking about them as something that's basic, I want you to view spiritual practices as not basic but foundational. All right? There's a difference between something that's just basic and something that's foundational. If, if, you ever, um, if somebody buys a home, for instance... One of the things that happens in the whole home buying process is 
a boring house inspection. All right, and a house inspector comes in and looks at the house that is to be purchased, not with the same eyes as we see when we go in and look at a house. He's not coming in to inspect the paint colors or the, the choice of carpet. You know, is the carpet clean or not? He's not here to, you know, run the finger along the windowsill to see if it's dusty. That's not the stuff that a house inspector is looking at. A house inspector, that would be looking at the basics of what's happening in the house. The house inspector wants to understand the foundational things about the house. He's looking for the things that we don't see. He's looking for cracks in the wall in places where, mm, maybe this wasn't built quite right. He's looking for the slab leaks, the cracks outside, the, the, the things that are inside the walls, inside the pipes, the foundational things that hold the structure together. And that's why they're experts that are supposed to come and try to see those things so that we can know whether or not uh, it is as it's supposed to be. And that is what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual practices. It's not just the externals, the outward look of what's happening in your spiritual life. It's the behind the walls kind of thing. It's the deep soul level things that spiritual practices are aiming for. That's exactly how Jesus describes spiritual practices. There in Matthew 7, if you've got your Bibles, or this, it'll be on the screen for you here. In Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27, here's what Jesus said. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, that phrase does them, if you're reading the NIV, actually says, puts them into practice, all right? Everyone who practices these things will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, it could be translated does not practice them, will be like a foolish man who, who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Practice, the practice of Jesus' words, of what he's called us to. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, very well known, the Great Commission, he said, go, in there, go therefore and make disciples. What's a disciple? It's someone who learns from a master and practices the same things that the master does. If you go to a, a museum and, and see some great work of art, and then next to it, someone from the same school of that artist, the artist and apprentice, right? Sometimes you can't even tell the difference. You're like, how? This artist is just like this artist. Yes, he was a disciple of that one. And he did the same kind of things. He could almost do the finished paintings for the next guy because he practices the same things the same way. And it goes on, he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. That's not just to look at, it's also to adhere to, to do the things the same way that I have commanded you. Jesus practiced these things. The things that we're going to be talking about over these weeks, Jesus practiced them. We're called to be his disciples. We're called to do what he did. We're not called to just be little parrots that, that repeat whatever it was that we, we heard Jesus say. We are supposed to actually live and do and be like Jesus was. And these practices are foundational and they're fundamental. For those of you with athletic backgrounds who had coaches, coaches are big on fundamentals. 
Always. And that's what they're always going to be talking to their team about. Always, right? Do the fundamentals. Do the fundamentals. It's fundamental. They teach you how to swing. They teach you how to throw. The mechanics of that throw. It's the fundamentals. This is how you block. This is how you tackle. And then what do they do once they've given you those, those fundamentals, those practices? They're like, now it's time to practice. Over and over and over and over. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Start over again. Why? Because that's how you build a new way of doing things. It doesn't matter if you came in with the coach first and you're throwing this way. He's fixed your mechanics and now you do it over and over and over until it's functioning the way it's supposed to. So why is practicing these things so important? Well, here's why. Here's why you would want spiritual practices in your life. Because spiritual practices are for abundant life. Spiritual practices are for abundant life. It's here that we find the abundant life that we're meant to live. I, I say this verse to you all the time that Jesus said, I came to give them abundant life. But you have to practice these things to experience it. You can't just sit on the couch and hope that it happens. He's given us these practices for abundant life. And without them, we starve ourselves when a feast is prepared for us. I think most of us are going to get to heaven and be like, Jesus, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And he's like, I put it on the table for you. All you had to do was eat. Instead, you just kept looking at it. That's, that's why We're, we kind of slog through life when we could be thriving. Personally, I know that in my life, when, when I'm in the groove with my spiritual practices, I draw close to God and all the things that are promised about the outcomes of our faith, I start seeing those things evident in my life. When I'm where I'm supposed to be with these practices, I start experiencing peace and joy and love. I start seeing a reduction of fear and anxiety and worry. It's, it, I'm, I start functioning the way that I'm supposed to. And, and those things become, the good things become apparent and obvious in my life. I experience abundance. But when I'm not, when I'm not in that zone and I'm not in that groove, that is where I, the other stuff, the other stuff that I've been freed from and pulled out of, those things start pulling me backwards. That's when I find myself stumbling, falling into sin, into darkness. It's when these things aren't in line in my life. And so spiritual practices are exercises for the soul. All right? That's how, that's how you need to view them. Spiritual practices are exercises for the soul. And as we go through this series, I want you to ask yourself... Yes, they're basic things, but they're foundational things. I want you to ask yourself when you, so like today with the ones that we're going to look at, ask yourself, am I healthy in this area? Am I functioning the way God would have me function with, uh, in regards to this particular practice? And then take it even a step further, because this is what I ask. I say, as a church, are we healthy in this area? Are we covering this part of our spiritual lives as a church too? And, and let's, let's take a look at these things and really um, take an inventory of our lives. Because here's the thing. It's easier, to, it's easier to maintain health than to recover health. All right? If you're already fit and you're a runner, it's easy 
for you to keep on running and keep on going and keep those miles adding up. But if you haven't run in years and years and years, it's hard to get back up to where you were when you were 17 years old. And sometimes, in my case, impossible to go back to those days, right? But it's easier. It's the same way with our spiritual health. It's easier to maintain spiritual health than to recover spiritual health. And my goal is to try to get us to the spot where we all are keeping moving forward in spiritual health. We want to be those that can spiritually run, not just crawl or walk. And when we build our lives around these practices, we grow in spiritual health. And we also shake off the things that hold us back. All right, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What does he say there? He says, let's get rid of that stuff that keeps plaguing you. Lay aside those sins and those weights that drag you down. When you look at your spiritual life, you know this. We all know this. You're like, man, if I could just get that out of my life, stop feeling that way, thinking that way, talking that way, living that way, if I could just cut this out, I know I'd be so much better. This is what he's talking about. And this is what he says. He says, let's do that. Let's lay aside those things. We lay aside the things that weigh us down with spiritual practices. That's where we find this, these kinds of victories that we're looking for. In the Old Testament, there's a very interesting story about a king, um, a pretty well-known king from the Old Testament, King Nebuchadnezzar, all right? And, and in Daniel, actually, is where this particular story is found. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, a wicked king uh, for most of his life. I actually have a small theory that I think he actually changed, maybe even followed the Lord at the very end of his life, but we can have that for a different discussion, all right? But, but other than that, Babylonian wicked, wicked king for most of his life. All right? and, and Nebuchadnezzar, uh, as he was ruling in Babylon, he had taken all these captives, including the people of Israel. He had taken them into captivity. And some of the, the wise people of, uh, of Israel had been brought into his court, including Daniel. Um, this is also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those guys, this is all the same era. All right? And Daniel was this wise man in his court. Nebuchadnezzar has this crazy dream. And Nebuchadnezzar had many crazy dreams. All right, but he has this dream that bothers him. And he realizes this is a vision from God. Because God's actually already spoken to Nebuchadnezzar multiple times in these visions. And he has this dream of this massive tree stretching up to the sky. And, in, and it's this beautiful, magnificent tree. And there's these birds that have made their nests in it. And the beasts of the field have made uh, homes below it. And everything else. And it's this glorious tree. And in this dream, he has this vision that from heaven, a voice says, cut that tree down. And sure enough, the tree is cut down and all that's left is this stump. And Nebuchadnezzar wakes up and he's freaked out. He's like, what is this? This was this supernatural dream. What's going on? So he calls in the wise men and asks for an interpretation. Hey, guys, this is what I dreamed. What's it mean? And he calls in Daniel and God gives Daniel the interpretation of the dream. And Daniel comes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, Nebuchadnezzar, I hope that this is not for you, but it's actually for your enemies. 
because the results of this dream are not good. But I'm going to tell you anyway because you asked. And he says, what I see this dream to mean is that the tree is you. You've become this great, glorious king. And it's impressive. And everybody from the rest of the world looks up at this tree and says, wow, look at that tree. But you yourself have believed your own press. You have gotten so taken by your own self, God, who is above this tree, is saying, nope, I'm going to cut you down. All right? And here's what Daniel tells him. He says, I am your advisor. I want to give you good advice. Now, what you do with it is up to you, Nebuchadnezzar. But this is what you need to do. And he says there in Daniel chapter 4, verse 27, he says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins. But look how he says to do it. By practicing righteousness. Practice righteousness and watch your sins break off. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may, be, may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. I want us as a church, as the people of God, to prosper. I want you guys to thrive in your spiritual lives. I want us to prosper. I want us to experience the full life that God has for us. This is how we get there. It's through these practices. No one is just born a spiritual giant or, or some super saint. We practice and we grow. Now, I want to say this because I know I'm this way and I know that many of you are this way too. You're going to want to resist these things. Even if I tell you, this is the path that God has established for us. This is the example that Jesus gave to us. This is how Jesus lived his life. This is how you're to live your life. Even when I tell you that, you're like, yeah, but I don't want to do that one. Or I don't really want to do it that way. I'm the kind of person, I kind of do my own thing, and I got my own take on things, and so I want to go over here. You're going to resist these things. But as your pastor, I just beg you, please consider the things that we're going to look at and see if God might want to do something different in you. So what spiritual practices are we going to study? We're going to study five over these next five weeks. The first one is today. We're going to talk about Bible study and meditation. Number two, we're going to talk about prayer and fasting next week. Three, actually the, the last three weeks are all going to be about worship, but we're going to look at it from a, from a couple different angles. Worship through music, worship through giving, and worship through gathering. Now, I know you may not view some of these things as, this is a spiritual practice, but what you're going to find is that, yes, these, these are. Now, I will say this. These are not all the spiritual practices. Nowhere close, okay? Um, but this is a great start. I, I want this to be a series uh, that we have available for a long time so that we can go back to it regularly and we can add to it as, as time goes on. Why? So that we can stay fundamentally and foundationally solid and healthy. So let's begin.